This week's episode of the WGM Podcast is brought to you by Aiken Promotions, who really want you to know that Amy Schumer is coming to Dublin. She's bringing her live comedy stand-up show to the Three Arena in Dublin on Friday the 26th of August 2016, and tickets are available now from Ticketmaster.ie. You know who Amy Schumer is, I'm I'm sure. She's one of the biggest comedians in the world today. She's got her uh, hugely popular Comedy Central sketch show inside Amy Schumer. She was not not, not all that unrecently uh, in the Judd Apatow movie Trainwreck, which she also wrote. She's got a new book coming out, Girl with a Lower Back Tattoo. Basically, she's a comedy tour de force, and she is coming to Dublin. What a unique opportunity to see one of the best uh, working stand-up comedians in the world today performing on your backyard. Not literally on your backyard, of course, unless your house happens to back onto the grounds of the three arena in Dublin but I'm pretty sure there is no residential area directly uh, linking onto that so I don't think that's uh, much of a point anyway so in conclusion Amy Schumer is playing the three arena in Dublin Friday 26th of August 2016 log on to Ticketmaster and nab yourself a ticket that's the ad and now here's the show Welcome to the Weekly General Meeting, a podcast about creativity. This week's show is entitled Feels and features two guests from recent live shows. I always think that people know I'm reading those first two lines. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just important to have the two lines just to get you in. I'm in. You're in. So we can now, I'll, I'll, I'll turn over the computer. There's yeah, cool. Laptop is closed. Tell us about the show. Um, well, let me just check. The, oh no, um, uh, our show is <laughs> is about uh, emotions this week. It's emotional. Struggling without the script. Yeah, I'm just going to put it back. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're talking to uh, first guest is Vicky Curtis. She is a spoken word uh, artist and performer, and she's uh, she I skyped her earlier in the week, and we talked about her upcoming uh, Dublin Fringe show, and then we've got a song from the band Elm, who are awesome. They performed at a recent WGM launch. Uh, night and then uh, at the end of the show we have another chat with uh, a friend of yours Kieran McGuinness yeah he said it was good he said it was very good did he yeah really very good good great because that was my first ever interview well well done I've never done it before and uh, it took me uh, yeah to sort of uh, you had to edit out a lot of dithering <laughs> in the edit luckily I've got control over that so I, I could I, make I myself know, sound uh, I, and wait till you hear it because I still sound like a <laughs> Like an incoherent mess. I think uh, you've been. First of all, you've been very harsh on yourself. Secondly, dithering is great. Nah, I don't know, Neil. I don't. I don't. Like, I think it's okay. Excuse me. Yeah, we're both. Be- we should probably explain the reason we're both belting is because this. <laughs> we did this two hours ago, and uh, it the re- there was a problem with the recording, so we're doing it again, and we're both drinking beer. And I've had two beers in the meantime uh, as well. I went okay. out for a beer and then that's why it took me two hours to realise that I'd fucked up the recordings. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine. Anyway, it's going to be a really, really good episode. Um, the music from Elm was at the launch night for season two. The interview with Kieran was at the Lingo Fest, which is an absolutely brilliant spoken word festival. You should check it out um, on the internet. And uh, and I guess we start with Vicky. Yeah, I yeah. It's, I, as I said, I, I, I skyped Vicky during the week and, and um, I started off by asking her to just uh, tell me a little bit about her upcoming uh, Fringe show. It's called Finnum Respis, uh, and it is a one-woman show starring myself. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of documentary theatre slash true fiction, is what I like to call it. Okay. Uh, and it is about death and bereavement and how we survive death, how the living, how death affects life and how the living survive it, if you get me. Yeah. And, and what, what like what led you to sort of what 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 drew you to that theme this year? 
Uh, what drew me? Well, it's been uh, it's been in development for about two years now. I've done two work in progress showings of it. Uh, my mom passed away sixteen years ago, and um, I had kind of glazed over that subject matter in a previous show I was in called Victor and Gord. Mm. Um, so it was kind of always niggling at me to do something about death and stuff. Uh, and then I took a couple of years off work and I was having a ball and realizing like it was kind of towards the 10th year anniversary uh, of my mom's death. And I was like, oh, look how far I've come. This is amazing. Um, like I'm not, 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 you're never kind of, you're never over it, but like you get better at grief mm. um, and loss. Uh, and then I came home to Dublin and I was, had been lodging with a friend of mine. So I came home to live, to lodge again in her gaff and, uh, came home and she was in, she was in thick of a depression and one day I took the dog out for a walk and I came home and she'd hung herself. So that was five years ago. Oh my God. So I found her obviously. And, uh, so there was this kind of thing of starting over again with a grief and a big bereavement and a completely different set of circumstances. And she was the same age as my mom. So like she was an older, you know, she was like just, she was 61 when she killed herself. Um, so she was kind of like this weird mother figure to me that I'd known for about five or six years. And so it was just, it was just what, while I had the idea to do a show about grief, then this tragedy happened to me. Yeah. And then I wanted to really talk about that. So I started doing like a lot of spoken word around uh, suicide and mental health and stuff. So then that kind of naturally progressed into, well, I think I should do a show about Mo. That's the lady who, uh, my friend who, um, took her life uh so I decided to kind of I was like I met it's I don't measure them against each other I kind of compare and contrast yeah like my mom was sick for so long so when she passed away it was a relief whereas Mo's um passing was really tragic and uh quite shocking and having to deal with that as well you know the emotional turmoil that you go through so that's what kind of led me to doing a show about grief and bereavement and I don't think we especially like um 16 years ago you know you know we didn't really um you know there was no I didn't really talk to anybody there wasn't the kind of portals of conversation to talk to people about it nobody knew how to talk about death or knew how to talk to me about things like losing your mom everybody's like oh my god I'm so sorry and it's like well it's not your fault you know yeah um so just like like the language that we use around death and grief and bereavement I don't I still like that was 16 years ago and I still don't think Irish people or society while we're good at funerals and all I don't think we're good at the aftermath and dealing with dealing with people one people don't know how to talk to you when you've lost somebody no matter what circumstance it is and secondly the the people that have lost don't know how to talk about it either they'd like you know so it's kind of trying to open up that conversation as much as it's a personal journey and a personal story about myself it's um more about death and life and and how 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 we talk about it yeah wow so I mean is that something that you know as you're saying that you didn't really necessarily have the channels or you know the forum to sort of talk about death you know when you know 16 years ago when when your mum died is that something that maybe um drew you in towards you know spoken word somewhere where you could you know like express like a vessel for a vessel for expressing my emotions yeah yeah Yeah, it did yeah um 
like I wrote a lot about uh, I wrote a lot about you know the feelings I had I didn't perform it I, I didn't perform a lot of that poetry but I did write a lot about it yeah I found it it was a good way of expressing myself like I didn't get um you know we didn't bereavement therapy or bereavement counseling wasn't offered to us um when my mom passed away but like then obviously when Mo um took her life I was like the day after her funeral I was in therapy you know and I've been in and out of you know counseling yeah for like the last Mo Mo passed away five years ago so I've been dealing with not only Mo the not only all of this stuff and the all the emotions around Mo's um death but all of that stuff that I didn't really deal with around the time of my mom no matter how much I like expressed a true poetry or spoken word poem I'm gonna do is about being a lesbian feminist <clears throat> it's called quagmire quagmire definition awkward hazardous complex situation or soft boggy area of where my face lands when I look at a girl I fall into this ballroom dance with my hands on her ass and her curves on my there, well then that by definition is awkward and complex. Because I like her long legs, but what goes on in her head should be more important than what she does to me in my bed. I'll open her doors, respect her opinion on who's better, Shakespeare or Joyce. Obviously pro-choice. And this chivalry comes from my inner humility. Gentle and mannerly when a woman is talking to me, I'm always looking in her eyes because I'm romantic like that. But... There's always a B-U-T-T. Oh, the things I wouldn't do and I shouldn't do. Because I'm a ladylike and I'd go Dutch on dinner and even though it'd be great, I don't do it on first dates. Well, unless she initiates her lips on my listen to her recite Greer gives my brain a boner. And I'm a feminist pig pent up on frustration on how I should feel when I ogle a woman. I feel like a sham because in my mind, all sexes are equal. But when my mind gets erect, I have to stop and say, listen, love, respect... I've swiped left on Tinder if she's blonde or too much bust, and I struggle with this lust for vocabulary and defining her shapes by what rolls from my tongue feels wrong. And when a woman is talking to me, the thought always crosses my mind of her entwined in the things that we wouldn't do and we shouldn't do, because I'm a person with manners wrapped up in women, wondering do I get objectified too? Bet I don't, because I dress like a dude. And what do you think of um, like what's the what would be, like what's the um, the spoken word scene in Dublin like? How would you, you know, how would you characterize it at the moment? Uh, it is very big. Yeah. Um. There is like nights on constantly. There is um like there's loads of you know there's loads of different nights. There's loads of like you know queer nights, very straight nights, like female nights, male you know male yeah. voices. So it's it's quite booming. Um, it's like it's a nice little scene, you know. And um, you know, you go to festivals and stuff, and there's like fucking every hour of the day, you know, you can go and sit somewhere and listen to some spoken word at a festival. Yeah. Now, different nights of the week, you do um, spoken word nights on, and it's a great thing to see. I mean, when we started, I started doing Come Rhyme at Me maybe five or five years ago with Una Malali um, yeah. in Outhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, we that was kind of the only thing i think there was like um there is tongue i think it was called tongue box up in cobblestone that raven was running Mm -hmm. um and 
that was sort of it. But then it just sort of boomed, you know, kind of after that petty cash grew out of grew out of that scene. Um then yeah, like the Monday Echo and stuff. I think that's been going for like four or five years yeah, now. So yeah. you know, so it's like just you know, in the last maybe five to six years it's just kind of gotten bigger and bigger. I mean, I guess there was always kind of little poetry groups here and there, but um, I guess with the fucking burgeoning of the internet and YouTube and seeing people like Andrea Gibson and, you know, uh, all of them, like, it's cool, you know, it's not, well, I hate that word cool, but <laughs> it's like, you know, there's, it is cool. a certain, there's a certain kudos to it. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're not sitting around talking about our emotions. We're talking about civil justice. We're talking about, you know, wrongs in the world and how we'd like to, you know, maybe try and write them or whatever. Yeah. It's great. I mean, well, like it's. I mean, it's like. I mean, I guess it's. it's a, you could probably, you know, put this on on most scenes in in Ireland and in Dublin. It, it's. It seems disproportionate to the size of the the country and the population. Yeah. You know, it seems disproportionately healthy and vibrant. Yeah, like you're like I'm coming down, you know, coming down with requests to go to things, and I'm like, I can't go to everything. I can't yeah. do everything, you know. Yeah. Um, and then like, yeah, it's 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 it's. it's it's great. It's deadly. It's brilliant to see like um, creative culture. You know, I'm not going to knock it. I'll do me love poem next because I'm a lesbian and all I write love poems. <laughs> it's called Two Fat Ducks. This was very nearly a breakup poem. Teary eyed, I begged, struggled, suppressed my true self so she could see a better me. And for her, my harp strings fell silent. And this year's love, it was violent. It hit me harder than before. Begging her to hold me, dear, feared, fucked up, forlorn and forgotten and topping off my days, wishing my life with her away. And if she wouldn't have me, half of me had always presumed she'd be my groom, old-fashioned and dapper, her rejection like one of Joyce's slappers in my face. My love felt nothing, just disgrace. And my heart stood still. As I contemplated having to leave this place, this place I love most, this isle of green and these rose-colored glasses hided my eyes red from crying. If I had to leave, my love, she was dying. But my love, my heira, she wasn't scared of me. You see, born, bred, buttered here, dreading having to leave her if a no came true, but it didn't. Because we stood tall, spoke our true views on homo sapien dating. We contemplated commitment for one and for all. And by simply knocking down doors, that othering is over. And I'm feeling lucky like a four-leaf clover that that poxy referendum is done and it's over. And I know now my romantic Ireland, she is not dead nor gone. In fact, she is alive and well and up full of passion and awe for all of those tiny X's in boxes that changed us in the eyes of the law, legally binding our love, our grow. Lesser's no more. And that landslide raised us up from the ashes of boars and they burnt themselves down. And I don't give two fat ducks about thems and theirs or whens and wheres. And it's not that I don't care what happens to their families. It's just that their missionary bores me. How men and women do their mating isn't my thing. It's a bit of a mystery to me, kind of like folklore. And I'm not asking for their flattery anymore. And I'm not being battered by their no, because their no had no limits, but no limits, no boundaries, no limits, no more to how much I adore her. I want her to spoon me and shan knows me to sleep. I'd get down on bended knee and proclaim me her wife. Because this country I love most opened her heart and 1,201,607 people screamed, I'm yours. And you can marry whoever you want and whomever you choose. Doesn't bother me as long as I have this right to say I do too. 
And I'm delighted there was a yes in that vote because, well, to be honest, I'd have taken that boat and frightened those horses in, horses in France. I'd have been really raging if I wasn't allowed a first dance. But on that great day, the 22nd of May, 62% said that love conquers all. And yes, we did. Yes, they did. Yeah. It sounds like it's, I mean, just, I mean, I guess when you're talking, when you're performing or, or talking about that sort of, um, subject matter I, I guess it must be like exhausting emotionally to do that for an hour yeah it is yeah well yeah it is like I mean there's you know you've got you to care for your audience like as an artist but then you've also you know a lot of you know I've and a lot of discussions about this is like Julia cares to me to myself yeah. so it's like I had to put once I found out that I was going into fringe I had to put a personal care plan into place because it's such um it's like it's dark material like it's very light in some parts i mean funny shit happens around death all the time like so there's the ghastness that happens too and there's like there's funny bits in it and you know you know i have to give that to the audience and give them some relief but um so it's like it as much as the material is dark and stuff and all that you do care to myself i did have to put a plan into place like the show is on from the 21st to 24th of september so I stopped drinking on the 24th of July, so to have two months of, wow. uh, you know, yeah, wow. alcohol-free so that I wouldn't be dealing with hangovers or, you know, been, have the fear and, you know, have, have that, like, clear brain space back in the gym, kind of back working out, um, just to, you know, be healthy and body and healthy fit. in mind and then kind of trying to, I'll probably line up a couple of counselling sessions, like maybe one or two after the show just yeah. to have that release as well so but it's like it's very much at, like once I perform the show I don't like seeing anybody after it because I made that mistake after the first um after the first work in progress I saw all of the people that came to the show and I was dealing with their emotions that had been brought up in the show oh and yeah yeah that was really really difficult and like I kind of had a few points and I sort of lost my mind after it because not only was I dealing with my own I'd kind of gotten 15 strangers yeah. dealing with their own you know yeah. their own grief or their own experience you know so it was like it was very taxing on me so that's something I have to you know be very wary of that once I once the show goes down I go home and I don't see anybody until like you know the 24th or whatever yeah so that's kind of the duty of care towards myself wow fair play that's really that's really impressive that you're that sort of yeah, well, I think well, you have to sort of you have to think about it. It's not like I'm going out and performing, yeah. um, you know, a Shakespeare play. It's uh, it's it's a personal, it's a very personal story, and it's not dealing with um the light side of life. It's you know, it is it is grief and death and bereavement that can that can upset people a lot. And I just have to just be sure that I'm as fit as a fiddle to perform it with with you know. Not that I'm a, you know, not that I'm hard as nails on the stage, or whatever. But I don't want to cry on stage, you know. I wanted yeah. to, I, I don't want people to be walking away going, "Oh my god, poor Vicky." I want people to be going away going, "Oh my god, I never thought about death or grief in that way." And yeah. maybe I can talk to my friend now about how she or he lost their their parent, or yeah. you know, you know, that kind of way. Like I, as, as much as I got, you know, all the information is there about my own stories in the research and kind of development phase but before going into the theatre club showing I spoke to over about I think in between 30 and 40 people um about their own personal uh, experiences with grief and death like you know people who'd lost parents like really late in life like people in their 60s who lost their parent who was 95 people who lost a parent who you know who died suddenly in a car crash 
and um, people who lost a, a you know a kid you know yeah. you know different different people you know people who lost people through different circumstances and the kind of emotions that are that they had around it and then I also spoke to like bereavement counsellors I spoke to funeral directors I spoke to palliative care nurses just to talk about the business of death and you know the, that kind of language that that they use yeah and how they deal with it as well so it's like so I just want to that's why like I don't that if I if I cry on stage then it turns it into something else whereas like I have all of this information that I'm kind of channeling through from other people as well about death and trying to get a whole uh, the whole spectrum of it amazing that's incredible what, what, what you put into it um and so where, where is the show going to be on uh it's going to be on in smock alley boys school uh from september 21st to the 24th and that was uh vicky curtis and her uh show is uh coming up in the tiger dublin fringe and you can buy tickets to that or any of the other wonderful shows that are taking place in the uh, dublin fringe festival uh by logging on to fringefest.com and that's coming up next month. Um, so yeah, uh, our next next guest is next guests is Elm. Yeah, th- they are one of the new generation of bands. I think I was saying this to you already, possibly in the other recording. Yeah, that uh, that are coming out of Dublin or like Ireland, but Dublin in particular. Um, from BIM, I think a lot of the, these bands like Hair Squid, yeah. The Academic, and Elm. So there's a new wave of band that are squeezing out the old guards like Delarantos. Is that right? Yes, absolutely, and it, which is right and proper. But that wasn't the point I was going to make. They, they are the clash to your Emerson Lake and Palmer. No, they're the Emerson Lake and Palmer to our clash because they can play their instruments really, really well. Which is the point I was trying to make. Uh. Do you know what I mean? So that like the standard of musicianship is like super high okay but we know. just got to clear that they're the hot new things and you're the dinosaurs yes in that scenario emerson lake and Palmer <laughs> are the hot new things right. uh yeah but they're a really really great band elm and um we asked them to do an acoustic performance at the launch of the new season and they did it and they did it really well despite our best efforts to make it as complicated as possible with uh without having microphones and then finding microphones and you know um uh, taking a while to set up and stuff but they were very gracious yeah. and very uh understanding they were and game they sure were dead sound and uh the song is beautiful check it out now when you hear it after i stop speaking now in space a hideaway I ricochet of autumn leaves that fall today whose colors burst in the presence of angels but demons come they separate good from evil not if I concentrate and not if I concentrate but here they come to rid of my lungs of life 
towering wall raising to a new high and in their skin in this body I don't know which side will win If I concentrate And not if I concentrate Catch my breath from my head is growing faint I'm living life with anarchy of sin don't have time to stop and play a game For it's not just me, as I know you bleed the shame But here they come to it in my lungs of life A towering wall raising to new high Body, I don't know which side will win now. We'll win the edge if I concentrate. Skin in this body, I don't know which side will we in. This is Elm.com is the website. At this is Elm is Twitter. Uh, they're a fantastic band. Check them out. Buy their music. Buy tickets to their shows. Uh, listen to their songs on uh, SoundCloud and and Band and Bandcamp. Yeah, um, they're great. Just and enjoy them as, just, as you would just en- enjoy, as you enjoy yourself. As you just you would enjoy any band. <laughs> <laughs> whatever means. Ba- it basically, whatever principles you have in place for listening and enjoying music, apply them to Elm. Yes, please. And the name of that song was Concentrate. By the way, just I mean. It's, I think it's the most prominent word anyway. So if you had to guess what the name of that song was, you'd get it. But sometimes it's nice to know what the name of the song is you just heard. <laughs> sure is. Uh, no prizes for guessing, of course. But uh, who is next? Uh, yes, our final guest on the show t- tonight or today, depending on when you're listening to the podcast, uh, is Kieran McGuinness. And Kieran McGuinness is a vocalist and guitarist of your band, Neil. His band. Okay, his band. <laughs> He, he has to take responsibility for, for anything to do with the band there. Well, he's the guest, isn't he? So I guess yeah. so. Yeah. I guess so. But I mean, just we should mention that he is your bandmate as well. He is, and be, my mate. It would be weird not to. When did you meet him first? I think two thousand and one. Hmm. Long time ago. And what's the nicest thing about him? Um, he is brilliant at getting stuff done, like getting projects done, and I think like a lot of creative people aren't necessarily and you know 
I certainly struggle with that. Yeah. And he's always the guy that, like, you know, we, we did an EP ourselves. It was his idea. He figured out how to do it and how to go about doing it and stuff. He's brilliant. I always think a band needs a person like that that's full of ideas and kind of can-do attitudes. And that's, uh, that's wow, God, Kieran, if you're listening to that, that's a genuinely uh, heartfelt <laughs> compliment I've just given you. And yeah. uh, there you go. Well, we are kind of obliged to be nice to our guests. On the podcast, no, we sometimes we were kind of. This is nah, no, nah, we're no, we're always quite nice. Uh, we've only had people on we like, actually. That's true. Um, so yeah, well, I had a very nice chat with with Kieran uh, quite a while. This is for, this is a bit from the, from the vault now. This is from a, from from a little while ago at a, the Lingo Festival in Dublin. It was recorded um, on the stage at uh, the Workman's Club, and we had a very nice chat. And here it is. You're on. You guys. You're four years in the band. Yeah. I'm. I'm in. A, I'm in. A, I'm in a comedy group, and and one of the questions we get asked all the time is, uh, how do you like, how do you write when there's five people, and that you know, and I don't think we've ever sort of, and it's a really boring question, and I realise I'm just asking you it now, um, but how do you write? No, um, no, like so, like amongst five people, because songwriting, I, I presume, just like any other type of writing, is quite a personal thing. So how do you reconcile that with collaboration? Um, well, first of all, I don't, uh, I don't write with any, um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's funny sitting here, you know, you know, I came in and I was going, how am I going (laughs) to, I write kind of pop songs, I suppose, um, what I think are pop songs, which often aren't, but, um, I suppose I, I sit at home or whatever I'm doing, I walk, uh, I got, got a new, I got a new baby girl and, uh. I walk around. Uh, someone, oh, <laughs> you were all baby girls at one stage, but um, what's coloured? Um, uh, <laughs> the um, I walk around the park and I sing to myself and I sing to her and I make up stuff and then I go home and I sit with the guitar and uh, I try and make sense of it. And yeah. sometimes I bring songs because we kind of present songs to each other, you know. Okay. And sometimes I'll present stuff and. Uh, they will go, oh, okay, no. And uh, sometimes uh, they won't say anything. You know, at Gosh. the end, they'll go, is it tea you want? Will we go out for chips? Will we get chips? And uh, then you know it hasn't really worked. And yeah. um, is that is that the, have you guys, that the level you got to where you, yeah. will, you won't? We, we can start fights uh, with our eyebrows. Right, you know? okay. We can, uh, <laughs> we can go, oh. and then someone, oh, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and then someone come in and go, mm. <laughs> we just got to a really good shorthand now. All right, so does that 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 does save time, does it? Well, yeah. You have you have. I didn't know. Like you know, you might have a you know. Neil Neil, Neil lives in London now, so he'll come back and he'll be like, "Look about last week," and I go, "What was last week?" And he's like, "You know, didn't stir my yeah. tea or something." And I'd be like, "Oh, have you been annoyed about that?" All week? <laughs> so sometimes the shorthand doesn't actually work. Right. But uh, yeah, jo- joking aside, I I write songs. Um, sometimes. Uh, my um my not to go into massively into it, but a good friend of my mother's uh, uh killed himself and um I sat down and I tried to write a song about it and I did and I wrote a song about it and I was very proud of it and I brought it to the lads and the lads said we can't that's you know that's too personal it's too far down the line of right. not being uh it just didn't connect I suppose with them. okay uh but so then what I did was I went back and I rewrote it again and I changed the main character to a more sympathetic uh, kind of character. And then suddenly I brought it back and didn't tell them. Um, and they were like, oh, I really like that. And I went oh, to the really? last album. And the funny thing about it is, is that it was the same 
song, I just I just changed a couple of she's for he's, and I changed a couple of uh, key verbs to make it sound like <laughs> it was something, something else, you know, and, yeah. and it worked. Right, you know, so because is there because I'd imagine there is sort of like because I I remember uh, I was watching a documentary about Saturday Night Live once and uh, talking about sort of the pitching where every week they'll go in with the host to the producer uh, Lauren Michaels' office and there's little games they play where they'll where someone will 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 pitch a, a joke they know is terrible or a sketch they know is terrible so that may because the, there's games to be played about coming like but their next sketch might get in. Oh, that's that happens. Oh, it's 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 crazy how much that happens, especially <laughs> on an album. Now it doesn't happen at the end because if a song goes on an album, we, we've had four albums, so if a song gets to go on an album, it's because four or including the producer, maybe five people are f- pushing for it yeah. because you know there can be thirty, thirty-five songs submitted. Now you know probably only about twenty of those would go to kind of uh, post pre-production or whatever. But yeah. aside from that, everyone writes their songs, everyone brings their songs, and. It's weird because I can be very proud of a song someone else in the band has wrote, mm. um, both proud of them and kind of proud of my. It's it's. I don't know how other bands worked. I've never been in another band. I was in a Thin Lizzy cover band, but so uh, was I. Were you? Yeah, Afro Lizziacs. Right. Okay. It's good. It's true. Yeah, it's really good. What was, what was yours called? Uh, it, uh, the the Thin Thin is Lizzy or the Thin Lizziers or something like. That. Yeah. It was awful. It was. It, uh, we had an amazing guitarist, um, and uh, everyone else was kind of just sitting in his his wake. Right. For, you know, I was like, he's so amazing. Yeah. Isn't Des amazing? Oh, <laughs> he's amazing. But um, so uh, that wasn't there wasn't much songwriting in that. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's the way we do it, and um, I guess I've learned an enormous amount about. Uh, writing over the last two albums because the first two albums I was trying to write songs that I thought would go on the radio and I yeah. thought people would like and um, is that something you guys would like talk about like you know like actively w- yeah like, or you know like would that be you have conversations about when you're going to start maybe writing a new album I know it kind of kind of goes on and on but like do you ever because then like do you guys I like, say well we we need more of a song that's going to be no, a bit more it's, accessible. It's, actually, it's, it's mad sometimes because la- on the last album, I wrote, I actively wrote about, I sat down and wrote things I wanted. I wanted to write about um, my mother's friend's suicide. I wanted to write about my adoption. I wanted yeah. to write about um, various things like that that I hadn't got to. You know, I wanted to write a song about, I wanted to write a love song that wasn't a bullshit Disney love song where everyone dances around all the time, you know, with roses and it's all technical and amazing. I wanted to write a song where you know, we fight all the time. Yeah. No, we don't fight all the time. Jeez, that sounds terrible. <laughs> my, wife, my wife isn't here. But sometimes we fight and sometimes we don't. And sometimes we sit in the couch and we watch X Factor and go, oh, we really shouldn't be watching this. And sometimes we eat too many digestives and sometimes it's yeah. really boring. And sometimes it's amazing. And there's amazing little moments, you know. So I wrote little sparks about that. And I was really proud of that. And that kind of became... So I was writing kind of to a theme, but no one else was. So it right. didn't matter. Like the end of the album, the, you know. But there was sort of a theme, which was a kind of... Four guys in their late twenties writing about. Um, you just sniggered it. Yeah, no. It's, it's a, it's a concept album about, about a band making an album. No, no, no. But like you know, w- you know, we were all kind of grown up and stuff. And and I, you know, like I moved out for the first time yeah. uh, when I was twenty six. Now I moved out for college, but I ended up having to move back. So you know, life was kind of in a diff- very different place for me where I was, where, like, for example, one of the other lads had moved out for years and was moving home. And yeah. So it, there is kind of a theme about finding your place in the world and stuff. Yeah. And it's it's clear at the... it's Nearly it's at the end of the album you decide what the theme is because you can hear it. But at the start, you're, you're going, 
Anyone got any songs? You know? Yeah. Well, the thing about it is, is again, there's four people writing, so I could write, you know, all my songs about, you know, Chinese democracy. I didn't mean that to be <laughs> at Guns N' Roses. About the album, Chinese yeah, yeah, Democracy, yeah. because no, Waiting about something it. really like, you know, you know, out there. Yeah. But doesn't no one else would be writing that. And then yeah. the songs that I wrote which wouldn't fit. So what ends up happening is, is that, you know, the songs that people connect with the most and they end up being the personal songs. And that's the way we've kind of gone. So, you know, two or three of the most personal things I've ever written are on it. And we're on the last one. And, you know, some of the stuff I brought was too personal, you know? Right. Uh, I wrote a song and uh, it's called, um, I can't know what it's called, but um, it ended up not being finished. But um, it was about my wife. I hope I don't go too much in this, but it's about my myself and my wife had a miscarriage. Well, she had a miscarriage. But, um, so I had to write about it. And I wrote about it yeah. and I brought it to the lads and they said, this is great, but you know, I can't, I can't feel this like you do, you know. Okay. And um, it ended up not going on the album, but I, I had to release it, so uh, we, we, I put it on the last album. But it, it was kind of almost a cathartic thing, because when I did it, um, it, it, I felt like I was a little bit. I, I'd kind of worked out how I felt about it. Yeah. Um, and they were the hardest ones to write, you know, the ones that are absolutely like about things. And there's a, there's a load of those in the locker, you know, and. Uh, it's almost as if you I'm working things out by right now. And I never did that before. It's only it's yeah. only like you know I've written, uh, as I say this is the fourth album, but progressively the songs that I've written about have become more about things that I want to write about. And sometimes, uh, like the first song in the album, "Home Again," is about the day that I found out that uh, I was going to be a dad, um, and uh, I didn't like I, the whole everything changed a little bit, a little small bit for me, just a little small bit, and. Um, so I did loads of stuff in it, like, so I made, I put a kind of a, uh, a time kind of, I put a clock kind of sound into it because I felt like I was sitting, everyone else in the world was going around their suits and their their ties with their coffees and running to work and running, doing that and the other. And I felt like everything had changed just a little tiny bit because I was living in a tiny different, slightly different world to everyone else now. And I started thinking about things slightly differently. Um, and I started getting very kind of uh, obsessed with mortality, uh, which is really weird. Like, I had a dream the other night about this kind of mad spectre-like octopusy electricity field skeleton wow. woman yeah. who was going to take away my child, you know? Oh. And then I had That's to... That's horrific. Yeah, it's, it, was in, it was in my kitchen, and I asked her, why was she in my kitchen? She said, I'm not in your kitchen. I'm just, I'm just the correct distance away from this soul that I'm taking. And I was like, oh, well, right. can you take my soul instead? Holy shit. That's and incredible. She, she was like, well, you're, why, would you ta- why would you give up your soul? You know, she's got more souls to live. You've got more souls to live. And anyway, so all these dreams about, oh man, wow, mortality. That, and would that in this song potentially be a song? octopus, uh, <laughs> octopus lady, spectral skeleton <laughs> woman? Um, I, I was, um, I was listening to, because uh, I, I did a little bit of research, um, and I, I was, listen, oh. I was listening to a different interview uh, that you did, and you were talking about sort of the place of uh, a songwriter. How it, how you see it as kind of the same as a butcher or a not the or butcher. a chemist or a some well, like, you think, know like think that what what do you think a role of a, of, a, of a songwriter is in in a community? Well, I th- I think that a s- I don't think footballers should have twenty million euro pounds you know just playing football. I don't think singer songwriters necessarily should be the richest people in the city. Um, you know, I don't think that's not that that happens. Most people aren't, but you know what I mean. I think that what it should be, it should be, it should be a, a thing where our our community of in in Ireland and everywhere, um, 
you know, values people who bring art and bring creativity and bring every kind of aspect of that. But you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's, I think it's, it's like, it should be like a trade or a skill or a craft and it should be treated that way. You know, I think that um, in the same way that, you know, as you said, you have someone who is a chemist. I, I mean, you know, I'm just saying chemist. I don't, uh, you know, but you know what I mean? Like someone who learns, spends their life working at that job and yeah. is the person you go to. You know, I think that bands and musicians and writers are really important for where we are. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, what, what, for life is, it's very easy to to sit in a pattern, a holding pattern of life, you know, and um, do all the things you do, but you don't realize how much art and culture you gets you through that pattern, you know, yeah. how much music you listen to on the train, how much TV you listen, you watch when you get home, you know, that's all really, really important. And it needs to be, you know, it needs to be something that is valued and encouraged and, um, you know, it needs to be important. Mm. Uh, it, it, would you like? What advice would you give to to like young emerging ro- songwriters? Or what, what what pitfalls have you you and the rest of the band found you you would like to have avoided had you had the chance? Well, I, and I that's actually actually here's a better question. Okay, here's a better question. You recently, uh, how much does the business sort of get in, in the way of songwriting? Oh well, it it. I don't know. Maybe it's not a better question. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I'll take this one. Uh, um, I think that, first of all, the business gets in the way as much as you allow it to. And yeah. you, you, sh- you know, you need to not try and not do that. Mm. You, but I mean, I know I, I, I teach kids um, uh, guitar and stuff and, and sometimes teach them how to play songs, popular songs and stuff. And um, uh, they all have YouTube pages and Twitter pages and Facebook pages and every kind of social media you can. The day that they get together and decide on a name, they have a website for that name and they're emailing everyone, every one of their aunties to go and check them out. You know, yeah. it's very easy to get, you know, caught up in the business. It's very easy to get caught up on everything else that isn't um, just the the writing and the music. And um, there is a place for it. You know, I, I enjoy, you know, doing kind of fun stuff on, you know, Twitter or any of that yeah. kind of stuff. You know, just because it's, it's a distraction, you know, but... Mm-hmm. But really, I have to make sure that I am putting my time into creativity. Um, and it's actually something, you know, it's it's difficult. Now, I, as I say, I've got a new baby. So um, from 7 until 10 at night, I need to take an, an hour a couple of times a week to go and play guitar and go and sit down with ideas. Um, and I have two or three unfinished songs that would have been finished before that I have to get my ass in gear to get yeah. done, you know, so... Do you find that you, the little time... Because you, you, you presume you have less time now, as you're saying, to work on stuff. Do you find that you're working more efficiently within that time? Or are you just getting no. less done? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just making making choices. It's funny. The other day I, I said that uh, if I got up at 7, I'd get uh, a shower and I'd have my breakfast and uh, i get the bus. So then at a quarter past, it was just a shower and the bus. And then uh, at half past, I think it was, I got a taxi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so those kind of things happen a lot. Um, so it's a little bit daunting, you know, again, because um, you'd hope that you're getting, because we kind of write in blocks. We'll write for a year. Yeah. I mean, obviously you write outside that, but quite intensely for a year, meet up every week and and try and have a song or two. Um, and you won't get one every week. And, 
you know, I think at the end of the year, if you get, uh, like, because there's four of us in the, in the band, if, if I get 10 songs that are very good, yeah. that's a great year, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll, have, I'll have to write probably 30 to do that. And then some of them will be cannibalized into the others. But, um, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, so on the last album, I decided to um, write a song about the fact that I, I was looking for my birth parents and I'd never never met them. I have I have very amazing parents, but um, uh, at a very young age, I was given up for adoption, so I'd never known uh, my birth parents. So I said, I'd only ever write one song about it. So um, it took me the, probably the longest time ever on a song to do. But... Um, uh, but I eventually wrote it, and uh, yeah, it was the, one of the first times that I was very, uh, very kind of proud of um, of the writing of it, I suppose. Yeah. So when you said to come in here and uh, you'd buy me a slice of pizza if I did some stuff, yeah. Um, I said pepperoni, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I do this one. So um, yeah, so okay. the song's called Petteru. I have to leave. I have to leave. Yeah. I can't. I can't sit here while you Can play. I sing to you, no? no, that would be terrible. I'll be back though. So I'm going to do this slightly off mic because the mics are kind of anyway. Sorry. We hit it all. I knew that someday we would break each other's hearts. Hearts. Sorry. From the spark, we hit it off. I knew that someday we would break each other's hearts. Heart. See, I'm not good at being wrong, and you're terrible beyond somebody's Circumstance, our friends discussed between the fireworks. The scars seem to connect us, seem to connect us. We settled down and fooled ourselves, ignoring everything that's clear to everyone else. Everyone else. This little fuse we lit made something in you that I rue. This little fuse we lit made something that I rue. I never seen a better color. 
Still feels will it made something that I read this little fuse will it made something that I read I've never seen a better color in that I read I've never seen a better color but from the spark so incomplete but out of nothing we create another heartbeat another heartbeat dalarentos.net is the place where you can find out more about uh, Kieran and his band <laughs> and all that stuff where they're playing where he's playing <laughs> <laughs> The worst thing about this is that the first time you tried it, you weren't even recording. This is just going to get from bad to worse, isn't it? I don't know. How oh, it's the end of the podcast. Why does that come into it? No, we're, we're finished podcasting. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. I'll literally always do is say goodbye. Goodbye. Thank, thank the relevant people. Thank you, relevant people. Don't shout into the mic. Sorry. That's part of it as well. Sorry. And uh, we'll, we can get out of here. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Thank you to our guests, Vicky Curtis, to Alm, and to Kieran McGuinness of Delamentos. And uh, thanks to our sponsors, Aiken Promotions, for sponsoring the show. Um, and also thanks to our producer, Eilish Bracken. And thanks to our sound mixer and mastering extraordinaire, Michelle McCormick, who helped us out this week. Uh, you can check us out on the internet. Oh yes, on the internet. Uh, we have a website and everything. Yeah, theweeklygm.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the Weekly GM is the handle across the board. And uh, thanks very much for the reviews on iTunes. Yes. Um, for I, the last couple of weeks, we've been asking people to put reviews on, on, and I never actually checked whether anyone did it. And some people did it, and they said some really nice stuff. So thanks very much, people that said really nice stuff. Yeah, and, and la- I just realised that last, listen back to podcast last week, I realised that I asked people to go on to iTube. And leave a comment and uh, and uh, a rating. And Did they? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I am. Type it in there. Is there I'm, an I'm definitely turning into a middle-aged man. iTube. You've always been a bit of a middle-aged man. Have I? Yeah. Okay. There is there is an iTube. Oh. 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 It is pornography. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, listen. If you put put a comment up there, thank you very much. <laughs> Really appreciate it. Appreciate that you just listen to stuff and do it. That's very good. Uh, Okay, well, listen, thanks very much for listening to the podcast uh, this week. And we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Yes, we will. Chat to you then. Chat to you then. Bye. Bye.